Carpe Diem, a safe haven for all things geek. In a sea of shows about games, movies, RPGs, GM advice, there is only one Carpe Diem Game Care. Game Care. All right. Thanks for joining us. This is the Carpe GM Gamecast. I'm Dan. He didn't say and. <laughs> That's this is Mac. bothering me. I'm Mac. <laughs> Brian. I'm Lucas. Yeah, we got Lucas back on the mics with us. Hi, Lucas. L- Lucas, welcome Hi. back. We, uh, the last time we had you on, we had a specific thing that we were going to talk about, but then, uh, Mac and Steve wound up <laughs> dropping content bombs on us and we didn't get out of the horizon for 50 minutes. So. One of my roommates has got stomach flu, so any one of you could end up with dropping content content bombs. bombs? <laughs> oh, oh, good. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna try to get to that get to that today. Have you ever heard how like if you're in a boat without a sail, you can throw stuff out of the boat to get the equal opposite reaction thing to get to shore if you're not allowed to touch the water for whatever reason? I've always wondered why you can't achieve lift off off of a toilet by just <laughs> you know. Don't touch the water. I feel like that should work. All right, so. Um, we're shy one, Steve. Steve down. Steve down. <laughs> yeah. He had uh, better things to do. What did he have to I do? I actually have no idea. Let's. What, Mac, what do you think Steve's doing? I think he's 40 pages into his Godzilla fanfic right now. Okay. I think he's trying to assemble assemble his model of the Nostromo. He okay. Like, he like bought a, bought a scale model of the ship from Alien. Brian? Moonraker. Moonraker? Yeah. Okay. Like, Watching it repeatedly? No. Or is he raking the moon? <laughs> no, he's he's living Moonraker. <laughs> oh. As right. the Bond girl? He's, no. <laughs> I think he's trying to te- As Jaws. teach his girlfriend how to play marbles. So we'll see when he gets back which one was right. <laughs> is it because she lost all of them? I have no idea. I don't, Man, I don't know oh, that woman. That's, that's not cool. I, I mean, I don't know. Take those kind of she's liberties. A, she's a nice lady. She's got all her marbles. Yeah, why are you talking about her like that, Dan? Yeah. Hey, man. I'm maybe just, maybe Steve put this lost on his marbles. We already know that. <laughs> Do you, ever see, do you remember Hook? Remember Marbles from Hook? Yeah. He really did lose his marbles. That's it's like a, it's a line from Hook. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> marbles was one of the Lost Boys. He's one who actually came back to the world while all the other Lost Boys stayed. And he left his collection of marbles there. And when he came back, he's never been the same since because his marbles were, in fact, like his... Like they had him losing them had the effect because they were so tied to his identity of him actually losing who he was. Basically, he mm-hmm. he's like an Alzheimer'sy old man. But in the end of the movie, he gets his marbles back, and there's a little bit of fairy dust in him, and he flies off to Neverland. As now, an old dude. I have to leave that uncomfortable silence that we had in there after your joke originally, so that this little segment makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> way to go! All right, so let's. Um, do we have any announcements? We got anything going on? Moon pies, dollar snack. There are many moon pies. Minis, select varieties. It's true. Sorry about that. I had to adjust my mic. They are bite size, as oh. play, displayed by Dan. Dan, uh, they are. Yeah, I got Dan skills to one random. Skills to pay the bills. Flaws so, I ate it so fast. Mac felt bad and gave me another one. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Flawless victory round two. Um, Hi. So uh, announcements. <sighs> I guess we don't have any. Oh, thank God. You got anything? No. I mean, there's stuff coming down the line, but we're not ready to announce it yet. Oh. 
Uh, yeah, so I guess we'll just take a break and come back for what's on our horizon. <laughs> you managed to get in like a... In a Got a couple of them. <laughs> Night at the Roxbury. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Brian, you're very I don't Ben know. Steiny I today. I feel like... like Steve without Steve. Yeah. <laughs> just so, like, uh, the comedy is yeah, gone. I mean, Steve, I Steve completes you. Other half. Steve, the, yeah, Steve is like the comedy heart gold. Steve heart. completes you. Yeah. Uh, so Maybe we, we'll get something done this time. He's doing Moonraker without me. Actually, <laughs> um, I, I have an email and I have Horizons. Which one Which one you want to guys? You guys want to do first? Email. Email? Yeah. Good email. Good email. Good 1940s email. sound effects. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, this email is from Jimmy. You guys remember Jimmy? He's the guy we sent... Um, I wasn't on that episode. He's the guy that eats world. <laughs> He's the guy we sent uh, a fiasco I, I, to. I listened to it. You know. <laughs> Message from Jimmy. Hey, guys, sorry I haven't written back since I... Page two? <laughs> <laughs> sorry. He wrote this in 78 font. <laughs> hey, guys, me, sorry. Jimmy. Stop. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Stop. <laughs> All right, now that I can see... Uh, hey guys, sorry I haven't written back since I received the copy of Fiasco. Anyways, after doing what little prep you need to run it and presenting the game to the group, we still couldn't get anything off the ground. I was getting really frustrated with the situation and decided to opt for another talk with everyone. Minus the yelling and the shit flinging, though. I came up with a list of things I wanted to address, like how enthusiastic they felt about role-playing, what did they want out of their games, setting up a schedule that worked with with people, and even proposed the idea that we drop gaming. Interesting, huh? That's kind of crazy to me that you couldn't get something going with Fiasco. I know. Uh, Brian, you've since played Fiasco. I have, and I, I had no knowledge of Fiasco really at all, and I watched the tabletop episode. Yeah, there's two of them. Yeah, I watched them where they played Fiasco, and I was like... Oh, this is easy. I can do this. I got the PDF of it, read about two pages of it, picked a, a scenario, and we all just sat down and played it without any preparation whatsoever. No one playing the game at all, ever. And uh, we all had a great time, and um, it was really awesome. For the record, that ding <laughs> was uh, Level 1 Games uh, is now following us on Twitter. Oh, sweet. Thanks, Level 1 Games. Thank you, Level 1 Games. Now anyway. you want to turn your phone off, asshole? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. People listen to this. <laughs> Invest time in Now I suggest you go follow Level 1 Games at Level 1 Games. Nice. Anyway, so... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Fiasco is like super fun, even with a group of people who weren't like that experienced at role-playing. Uh, they just... It was like a little... It's more of an improv acting game than it is an RPG. But just for like... The top, like the topic at hand. Like, have you finished reading the email, Dan? Like, no. There's there's a couple more paragraphs. Right, go ahead, because I have something to say. All right. Well, we'll come back to it. We'll come okay. back to your fiasco experience, Brian. Yeah. Uh, back to Jimmy. From what I was seeing, it seemed more realistic to just stop playing altogether. People weren't able to come up with with any sort of workable compromise with their schedules. Not to mention the overall enthusiasm of play was a consistent flat line after every first session of the game. After all was said and done, the conclusion from the group was a resounding. Eh? On Fiasco or just in RPGs? Just in on general? RPGs to uh, in general. Because Fiasco should always be one shot, right? Yeah. Yeah. N- no uh, shit was yeah. flung, and we had a calm, collected discussion. But the future of our play group remains in limbo. 
Um, I feel like we're like late night sex talk <laughs> for gaming. Oh, I was honey, gonna say like he's cheating on you. Yeah. What are you gonna re- What are you gonna replace it with? Because if orgies are a possibility, yeah, that's like, good. I mean, that can be. It's a good workout. You can <laughs> indulge your role play. Could be fun. Shit flinging can still be okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Back to the uh, in, in more upbeat news. However, I did manage to get everyone to play a game of Fiasco using the Mana Hotel playset. Eventually, and everyone seemed to have a blast with it. After that, I was able to run a one-shot of Realms of Cthulhu and Dungeon World last week. My friend and fellow GM of the group even invited me to a new group to play in. I'm looking forward to it because the people in that group were the ones that introduced Dungeons & Dragons to us in the first place. And I've only ever heard good things about them. For now, I'm going to have to put my group on the sideline. If they want to play in the future, I'll be more than happy to GM, but I'll deal with that if and when it comes to pass. Take care, guys, and thanks for the show. Dan. That's not Dan. Oh. It was uh, Jimmy. Jimmy. Um, so, yeah, this um, this begs a question for me. Doesn't now. The, the question is, is it better, is no gaming better than bad gaming? In some aspects, yeah. It sounds to me like Jimmy got lucky and at just the right moment found another group. Yeah. That he's pretty excited for to be in. For both those losers. And... Um, so, would you rather, if you had no other option, no better group, would you rather not game at all or play a bad game? It depends on, like, if your entire group is crap. Like, if your entire group is crap, then, then yeah, I would rather not game at all. But if there's still a couple people that, like, if there's at least one other person that's fun to roleplay with, solo campaign, or bring the <laughs> idiot in in, and it's funny to make fun of them at that point, just because, like, don't take him seriously and just kind of, like, I mean... We have tons of people that I like that I've played with over the years that just have become like a joke, basically, and they've become really funny aspects to a game. Uh, but I mean, if you have nobody you enjoy playing and like get connect with, I wouldn't even bother playing with that group anymore. Hmm. So what would you do then? I would tell them to smoke a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Calm if you down. weren't playing, <laughs> if you weren't playing with the group, if you had no outlet for RPGs, where do you go then? You go to WoW. Oh. Well, uh, I mean, it seems like he's already found it. I would find a new group. He already found one. And if he can't find one, there's tons of... Go to Reddit. Well, go to, I, understand, uh, I understand what you're saying. I'm saying he got invited to a new group before he decided to put his group on hiatus. So he kind of that kind of made the, I'm going to put this group on hiatus and not play with them anymore, an easier decision. So if you don't have that extra out, you, you know, you're, just ha- you're just playing in a shitty group. And you have and, no other and you, people. And you don't have another group ready to just walk walk you into the basement and 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 arp and role play with you. Then do you make the decision to stick with this group because you don't have anybody else while you look for someone else, or do you just say screw it and and no, cut it loose? There's no reason to fun. like not have any fun because it'll grow resentment towards the RPG experience. Fair enough. Well, there's also uh, other complications that go into this. Like the the people that you play in an RPG with are normally people you know from from other areas of your life, right? Yeah, it doesn't tend to be people that just you've you've met up with online or through other things. But that can happen, and it can be that, and that makes it easier to leave if it is unpleasant. But right, the the bigger problem too is is people that don't really want to play but won't tell you that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, don't want to not be included. Yeah, yeah. The, the people that show up and are just lumps, but then have like say like two words a session yeah. and like never really role play, but yeah. they're like, you know what though? I've seen I've seen guys that are just silent and you know staring off in the distance and don't look like they're really engaged. They're having a ball, and that's just how they want to play. They just want to watch. 
Well, then why? Like, I, it, I, I, as a DM, that's it. super aggravating. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because you're like, I'm trying to include this person in the game, but you're not trying to play. So if you're not playing, then why are you playing? Like, I don't care if you're, I mean, I understand if you're my friend and like all that, but like, I'm trying to do something here, like run a game or play a game. And your detriment to this is not only affecting the fun factor of me playing, but everybody else at the table. So if you're going to be like that, or if it's any other negative effect, I would suggest just don't come. And then that's how you end up not getting like, I don't know, invited to groups, I guess, like from other people. I don't know. As might be well known to listeners of this podcast, I'm the sort of guy who gets easily frustrated. And but I would both like misread the signals of someone who isn't playing but doesn't really want to, not because they dislike being there. First of all, I'd be sensitive to someone who dislikes being there. Second of all, I'm likely to be to, to misinterpret someone who just wants to watch as someone who's not having a good time. Right. And if I'm trying to shoehorn a group, you know, your 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 Wednesday night orgy group is not necessarily going to transfer very well to your Thursday night D and D group, you know. Right. I would. I'm. I. I would. Uh, to the original question of would you take bad play over no play? I would go with no play just because I'd get. It would be worse for me having bad play. I'd get mad. It would. It would have. Fi- there would be fights. as opposed to just nothing. Yeah. As opposed to board. Yeah. F- we'll figure out something else. Yeah. I mean, well, when I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't play for a little while. It was a couple of years before I actually taught my kids to play to, and they became my, my game group. There was a couple of years where just my buddies and uh, my schedule just, just didn't align. You know, I got a guy working midnights. I'm working weird sch- schedule myself. So we just couldn't play. So what I picked up was painting miniatures and that became uh, uh-huh. my thing for a while. And I could spend hours doing that and get lost in it and not feel like, you know, that's kind of gave me my fix. At least it's not, though. Imagine trying to put yourself into Jimmy's like, shoes. At least on it's this. not heroin. No, I, no, 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 no. I'm going to say try try putting yourself into Jimmy's shoes. Imagine if you taught your kids to play and started playing with them, and your kids your kids really suck. And they suck. They're total downers, <laughs> and they're not into it. <laughs> and you guys aren't getting along. It's stressful. Like a sticker book, and you tell them to go figure out something else yeah. out to have fun. They come home, and, and mom's like, "Hey, your dad wants to play uh, the D and D tonight with you." And they're like, "Oh, I've I've got homework. I gotta wash guess my I'll, hair. Yeah. Guess I'll go do extra math oh, homework to, to clean avoid my home, doing things clean with my room again." So, Lucas, back to what you said. Um, these are people that most of the time, these are people that you don't necessarily only know from Dungeons and Dragons. They're people from other mm-hmm. points in your personal life, which can then create waves elsewhere if you're like, hey, screw you guys, I'm not playing anymore. If you can't or differentiate you, or you between get the out. game and the like outside of it, then you got some other problems, in my opinion. Listen to the wrong radio show? Yeah. It, that's true of any social task. If If not everybody in your group is into playing volleyball, you don't try to make everybody play volleyball every week, you know? Like, I we mean, have this friend... He's one of my really best friends, and I've known him for a long time, but he doesn't play board games. He doesn't like to go. He wouldn't be down to really play volleyball, but, like, you know, he's not really into multiplayer gaming at all, but, like, it's hard to include him in a group a, a group activity because he to just do doesn't want to do it. He's a lone and he ends wolf. up ends up kind of just like sitting in the background, which he doesn't mind doing, but, yeah, like... Yeah, he seems okay with that, yeah. but he also does, like, then just go home. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, like, I just, like, I'm like... I and I don't know what to do in those situations, but like I don't mind him hanging around at all. In fact, I enjoy his presence. He's very funny, you know. Yeah, he likes to talk to people. Yeah. So uh, games are getting in the way of that for yeah. to him. You know? Yeah. He wants a social experience. I mean, he does like RPGs, and that's like the one game he will play. He'll play D anD D, you know. And uh, I'm actually starting up a new thing just for him to play. Nice. Giving him, give him like something to do. 
but yeah, he's like, it's just like, I, I understand like that weird dynamic where like somebody's just kind of like sitting in the background. Like, what do you say to them? Or like, how do you bring them in if they don't want to? Like, right. I recommend for Jimmy a crappy movie night. <laughs> Get people together and give them, a, said, give them a bowl. target. Everybody for, calm down. Yeah. Give them a target for their rage and just let them rip a movie to shreds together. Make it a collective experience. Uh, I don't think he cares about that group anymore. He's moved on. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> They burnt him out. They are never, ever, ever yeah. getting back together. Well, it sounds like he's playing with somebody who didn't exactly volunteer for this anyway, which means they're like, you know, it's his DM's girlfriend and her friend. And Oh, you um, mean his present It's going to be people he's seeing anyway. Yeah. yeah. His, the DM of his current group is the one who invited him to the new group. To so the new group, yeah. That's somebody he's, he's still going to be seeing anyway and probably... All right, so once we're on the table, bad game or no game? No game. No game. Yeah, I'd take no game. I'd try and make it work first as much as possible, but if it's yeah. not salvageable, it's it just wears on you over time. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm saying no game. No gaming is better than bad gaming because bad gaming ruins relationships. All right. Well, uh, Jimmy, thanks for the thanks for the email. Uh, really appreciate you you reaching out, and um, hope uh, Fiasco brings you a bunch of fun. And we're gonna take a quick break and come right back with what's on our horizon. All right. So, um, Lucas. You're the one to my right. What's uh, what's been on your horizon? Oh, well, I finally got to play multiple games of the Pathfinder Adventure card game in a row. Yeah, how's that going? Uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun. Like the the big thing about it is that you get to build up your character deck, and it stays. Well, it doesn't stay the same, but it's the same character throughout the games, and you get to add cards to it and switch them out, and, and sort of rebuild your deck in between each session of the game. Right. And I hadn't been able to experience that on my first three plays of the game because we played once and then scrapped everything. And yeah. You get treasure cards in that game? Um, yeah, you get like treasure awards for... It's all broken up into categories of loot, so it's weapons, armor, items are our thing. And you you have to reduce your deck down to whatever size it, it started with unless you get like a deck increase feat gotcha. as a reward for playing. But... You get to switch out whatever you picked up during that game with the basic cards that you started with, and it's it's interesting. It goes a lot faster. How many once people you have? Uh, what's that? How many people? Um, it goes up to six. But and I is it just a with, battle? Uh, I played with four. No, it's got uh, you. The way it works is you pick a scenario that you're playing, right. and that gives you a certain number of locations depending on the number of players. So you spread those out, and you build up a deck for each location, and then you go around and you try and defeat the the sort of mini boss at any given location. Okay. And then there's a big boss hidden somewhere. So at, it's at one of the something. So spots. it's a co-op, uh, kind of a deck building kind of a thing. Yeah, it's it's a co-op player versus game sort of. What's that? Player versus game rather than player versus player. Yeah, you're all working together and you're trading resources and, and trying to beat the thing. And there's a there's a timer that goes on too that you're that you're working against. Um, and normally the repercussion for losing is that you like flip cards off the timer. Okay. And yeah, the deck building aspect comes into it at, at the very end of. If you lose, do you like does your character have any detriments whatsoever, or do you just try again? Um, I'm actually not sure. Uh. <laughs> He was saying though that there is the part where the timer goes down. Yeah, but I'm saying is like, yeah, you, but if you lose, if you the, lose scenario, the scenario, you, you can lose the scenario. I don't. Oh, I get it. Okay. 
I think what it might be is you don't try that scenario again. You just move on to the next thing, and you don't get the rewards from, okay. from beating that scenario. <laughs> so uh, what do you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down? I like it a lot. I like it a lot better now that we're not wasting like 30 extra minutes building new characters nice. every time we play. Um, Anybody else play it? Any expansion? No, I no. saw it. It came out at Gen Con when I was there, and I tried to get a copy, but they were sold out, of course. So I have not played it. I feel like I've played games similar, but I don't think I've played it. It sounds cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Brian, whip out your fiasco. I don't really have anything to talk about for that. Oh, He's yeah? talking about your penis. Other than <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> Other than uh, you, you finally tried, tried Fiasco and you liked it? I liked it a lot. Yeah, we played like the Titanic. Have you only played the one time yep. since? Yep. Okay. It was really fun. I liked it. I suggest it for anybody. Uh, I, I don't know. It's a fun game. You were on the Titanic? It was called the Leviathan, but... Yeah, yeah. it's it was essentially... It was like a 1930s big boat adventure thing. Cool. Yeah. That sounds yeah. fun. Yeah, my yep. my experience with it is that you you, you also, sort of need everyone to be everybody's got to buy in. Yeah, you yeah. you got to be with a group that is really into the improv aspect of it. Yeah, like my group my group is is fun. We get really caught up on the character creation, which is why we take longer than one session normally to do it because we we go past the three hour mark and then we have to roll over to the next week. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I've, no, it's been really fun. It was fun. I, I felt that sometimes with these group games, you need to like, I've thought often of Cards Against Humanity that you need to play it with people who can get the joke. You know what I mean? Who mm-hmm. who who yeah, can yeah. search for the joke and just know it. Like, so you have to have people who already have like a writer or a comedian, uh, comedic, uh, comedian uh, temperament. And I could see where in Fiasco, you need people who are just the willing only, to like completely surrender to circumstance. The only yeah. thing that I was going to say, like the only reason why I say you can recommend it to anybody is like, because you can recommend it to people who don't like RPGs or have never played a game. Or when you like played, uh, how many people in your group had ever played RPGs? All of them except one. Okay. May- and maybe he had at some point too, but I just don't know I was his just wondering. history. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say that is the great aspect of it is the, the people in my group that don't like D&D because of the heavy mechanics and, and building yeah. characters and all of that. Love Fiasco. Really enjoyed playing Fiasco. Yeah, you're going to have people to buy into it too, and you can't have people who are... Like the sitters, that they would not be good yeah. at it. Yeah, but yeah. Other than that, I, I didn't mean to pirate your your what's on your horizon. Did you have something else you wanted to talk about? No, okay. I don't really have any. I, the only other thing I interesting that happened to me was gonna put a timestamp on it. So the Google April Fools' thing that they did today. Yeah, they did that today, didn't they? Yeah, it was awesome. Weird. I I, I finished it. I didn't. I didn't even check it. I've it's. I've not Googled today. The, it's the Google. It's Google Maps. Okay. And you use your phone, and you have to collect 150 Pokemon that they've put out oh, throughout okay. the entire world. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, like the, so you have to Google go search Pokemon the world. Master challenge. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Like, and if you. Like, and I'm assuming this is not a thing that you're going to be able to do, say, tomorrow. Until two o'clock. Tomorrow, okay. Well, by the time this drops, if you didn't get to do it, sorry. No, it was. I was saying, if anybody was involved in it, it was super fun. I like jumped on the Reddit and I found all 150 of them really quickly. <laughs> That's um, not finding. <laughs> well, I found a bunch of them on my own, like the hard ones, you know. Right. You know. Well, it was less like it's here and more of like a it's around here somewhere. Look for right. it, you know. So the joke in the in the bumper for it was that they will actually if anybody collects all 150 within the time limit they will or the first person will actually get hired as a pokemon master as a pokemon master on at google that's funny yeah the Not- trailer's awesome because it's like people using their phones to like look if they had a real app that was the what app that they showed on the trailer it would be super cool because essentially it was like a camera 
like you pulled out your phone and like you could see through it but like in areas that the pokemon were there was like a digital version of the pokemon there that you can only see through the that's pretty cool yeah. sort of enhanced reality thing yeah that they've yeah teased all right that. well again uh sounds pretty neat and if you're hearing this and you didn't get to do it you're at least go look at the trailer because it was super cool okay mac what have you been up to i have a bunch of tests i have this sausage moon pies are dollar <laughs> that's uh, how i feel right but no uh, uh a couple things i've got had oh, a bunch okay. of really long conversations with friends of mine lately about old systems like uh demon the fallen an old yeah, white wolf game absolutely a lot about the cosmology of that world they uh, re-released that i have two of the books yeah. for that game really yeah i've been kind of interested in looking at them i'll see if i can find them i like the idea of that like I don't know. I've always liked White Wolf cosmology, and I like... I bought a bunch of White Wolf Demon games and then never played White Wolf. To like. Yeah. Mummy. I, I played a little mage back in the day. Mummy also was a pretty cool Mummy. one. Yeah. Where you start out, you're most powerful, and you st- you slowly lose power throughout the course of the campaign. Oh, that's interesting. God, that's yeah. stupid. <laughs> uh, well, you have a thing you got to do, and then if you can't get it done in time, you know, that's the struggle at the end, is that you can get to the end of your adventure and get killed by a, 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 a dog. Prometheus always seemed like a dumb system to me, because... It had the premise of that a Promethean was like they had this negative force around them or whatever. Like, yeah, they they repel people, which I think I think is something maybe you should check out, Brian, because of the <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> repelling people. He's he's he's, he's already got no, that no, skill because no. because it it lends itself to a solo campaign like really well because no one wants to be by a Promethean, so it doesn't really make sense to have a, a party of them like traveling through the world. It's like automatic pitchforks and torches right yeah like, yeah and the more like if if there are a bunch of them it's instantly the town will no that's be out re- that's really the effect them. no yeah I, I hear you it's just i'm i just went back to that was brilliant okay so i had yeah. a friend telling me about uh demon the fallen and i'm, I'm interested in taking a look at some of those and uh past that uh the op- the diablo 3 expansion reaper souls came out been diving into that a lot. Stay a while and listen. He died. <laughs> and watch, That's not cool. And too watch me die. I really think we've scene. talked about Diablo 3 for the last three episodes in a row. Have we? Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't think we have. I just want to say I know this. for sure last time we did. I don't remember it. Yeah. I'll just say this at least. Yeah, we talked about how they increased yeah. the loot stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, side effect of that, of having experienced it a bunch now, the really interesting thing is that a lot of the gear that you're able to get now radically changes the way you play whatever class you're playing. Oh, yeah, I do remember that conversation. I yeah. mean, but this wasn't included. Like, the, this gear radically changes things. I, I, I've i played four completely different versions of the same character based on the gear that I've gotten at different times. So, I, I, I mean, I haven't played Diablo for a long time. Better, best version ever? Mm. No. <laughs> no. I think so. But most of my friends who really liked Diablo 2 hate Diablo 3. Mm-hmm. Um. So whatever mm. the, the storyline of the new one's really interesting. They they create a lot of they do a lot of like all of your companions who used to just be you know guys who walked around with you now also have their own quest chains. Like you actually do quests with them that are about their storylines. Um, I think I think the big problem is that the people that really loved D two loved it for largely the multiplayer aspect, which is been lacking in three and it's been minimized in three yeah it's they did a lot to make the single player a lot like the multiplayer experience in three Mm -hmm. so the multiplayer doesn't have all the benefits that it did in diablo 2 did you have anything else 
No, I mean I would recommend it. It's it's a cool story. There's a couple. I've played it longer. What's the buy-in? What do you got? Like forty bucks. Yeah, yeah. Plus like, the sixty bucks for the original game. If you don't have the original, yeah. Yeah. The right. original is probably just yeah, they probably, forty or twenty now. They probably have it in a bundle now. Yeah. All right. Well, um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, my horizon has been digging around at Bully Pulpit Games, and I've found a few things over there. Those are the people that make Fiasco. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Jason Morningstar, brilliant. Got tons of great material there. And um, uh, I found I found a couple of things. One one thing that I'm going to, to do for the show, I'm not going to spoil it now, just uh, stay tuned. Something from Bully Pulpit Games is coming to the Garpagean Gamecast uh, very, very soon. Uh, but yeah, I've been kind of I've been kind of lost in that digging through that library and and seeing what's seeing what's been going on over there. Uh, getting ready to play the first game of Fiasco actually with my family, which is gonna be cool. uh, a little crazy. We're gonna do one of the uh, the dungeon crawlers sets because they all are familiar with Dungeons and Dragons type stuff. So uh, that that'll be fun. Hmm. Uh, so. Lucas, you're here. We're dangerously close to not being able to get to our topic again, so let's take a quick break and come back to it. All right. Uh, so here we are. So I'm going to set the stage a little bit with uh, with our topic here. When... You sit down to play a role-playing game. There is um, there's a concept called the, the 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 golden box, where the GM takes control of everything else in the game, uh, the, the weather the, and 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 all the situations, everything, every NPC, every situation that you encounter. The only thing the players have control over are their players, and there's a golden box around their player. And a lot of people play it so that you you know you don't mess with their player. This is the only thing that they have control over in the entire game. GM needs to leave his damn hands off of it, right? Anybody here feel like that? Uh, by and large, yeah, 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 for the most part. Okay. Well, what I wanted to talk about were was the situations in which. Uh, the story to be told involves something socially happening to the player. It's okay for the GM to attack the player with a sword or a spear or uh, a weather condition or a trap. But what about... But what about mind control? What about a, a suggestion, so on and so forth, that would have the player, the character, doing things that they necessarily wouldn't do? The player ends up being the, like, trapped psyche inside the mind of a character who's no longer obeying them and they're just raging against the walls. Possibly, yeah, absolutely. So uh, how, how do you feel about that? Have, has you ever, I mean, the, the doppelganger effect is the thing that, I, that comes to mind quickest in that in your, your character, something happens to your character and there's a doppelganger, which looks just like your character, acts a little off, uh, but ultimately wants to kill the party, and you as the player <laughs> are trying to play this doppelganger. Possessed. Yeah, essentially as if you were the doppelganger, but how often when you play that character, are you trying to give the party hints that, you know, hey, this isn't me, or uh, do you play it true to true to form? Um, 
So you're actually, in, in this scenario, the player is still in control of their the character. The player is still in control just... of their character, but the character's motivations have been changed hmm. because now they are a doppelganger. The player's choices with regards to roleplay have been co-opted by the GM with some sort of over- agenda. overriding agenda. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, I think you guys never encountered that. I think we talked like about the oldest trip in the, the oldest trick in the book. Like that was one of the things, you know, if you were gaming in the eighties or early nineties or whatever, it was like that. It was the, the, the mimic treasure chest that will eat you when you open it. <laughs> it was the pit trap. It was the, the yeah. no, no, it was the, the, the gelatinous cube in the hallway that you walk into. I don't think I've done any of those. Things. You never done any of that stuff. <laughs> no. Oh, Brian. I feel like I've, I feel like I've fought a mimic chest before, but yeah. maybe not with you. Well, yeah, I don't think I've ever done a mimic chest. The, I, I mean, we can we can skip past this part. No, no, no. The, I, I got. Okay, we got. We've talked about how uh, I believe about how on the Harmontown podcast in one of their campaigns they don't have people who can attend every time. Yeah. So they started having different players play the same characters, right. and they would behave in wildly different ways. In part because it's a bunch of comedians, they would start doing slightly sadistic stuff to the characters. Right. One player carving a message for another player in the character's arm, stuff yeah. like that. Really funny. Well, the GM decided to incorporate these like wild changes in character behavior into particularly one of the characters as being possessed. Right. Um, Camille Nanjiani's character, Krista Berg, has been repeatedly played by uh, a couple other characters, including, I believe, Duncan Trussell, or players, including, I believe, Duncan Trussell. Duncan Trussell repeatedly did terrible things, including right. uh, on their Christmas episode, cut off his character's penis. Yeah, threw it out the window and or something. Threw yeah. it into a pit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, their quest in the campaign now is both to rid Chris DeBerg of this demonic possession and find his penis. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> so, but he is now being forced to role play this character who is possessed. Yeah, because he's had all these crazy stuff. He's going on. had the it's GM note canon. handed to him, and he's got you know the ability to completely turn his head around, you know, three sixty. Right. Um, spit. To, to vomit acid whenever he wants, and he's got uh, strength r- or something. Really low, ba- yeah, a little bit of strength and really low damage eye beams. Right. Um, <laughs> that he just zats people with constantly. He's role playing it as using the powers in the most, you know, goblin esque, malcontent ways, and then just apologizing for it constantly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know. Zat. I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't. <laughs> right. Like. So that's how he's chosen to roleplay it. But he now basically can't do any of the character type stuff that he was doing before. He, he, he can't, he's, he's been given this whole new script for like what kind of jokes his character can do basically. Right. He, uh, and it's still funny. He makes it work, but, but it's that's not what not, it was. But that's in a game where the idea behind it is to be funny. You are literally performing on stage for other people. Not only, but also. What I'm saying is, in a character, in a, in a, with a player who has completely bought into their character and is completely immersed in their character and wants to uh, see this character's story arc through, if you, another player at the table, cast some sort of a social mechanic mind spell or something on that player, should it be allowed to go through? Should you have control of someone else's character or should the GM be able to take control of someone else's character? How do you feel about that when that golden box is compromised? Well... We've talked before about how characters need to not character character behavior and abilities need to be separate from players' 
you know, cho- chosen course of action in any given scenario. Right. And I mean, some of what we're talking about here applies to the much, I'm, I'm sure this might be what you're moving on toward, but uh, the finer aspects of things like bluff and intimidate and, yeah, you know, it, it, this character succeeded in intimidation uh, check against your character. You are now intimidated. Yeah, but I don't want to be intimidated. Well, right. but you are. So figure out how to role play it. So what what you're essentially asking is, and and it's the same thing as playing characters with lower intelligence than you. What you're essentially asking is, should players be expected to be able to surrender some of their own choices? And I mean, they might have chosen to play a lower intelligence character, but but if they get their intelligence hacked, they have to start acting dumb. I mean, should they be expected to have to surrender some of their own identity and some of their own ownership of their character to? mechanics in game and i think yeah i think they do have to be expected to be able to do that and i think it presents some of the challenge of being a role player some 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 of role playing should be difficult it shouldn't just be completely fantasy indulgent right you know brian what do you think i have no i've i've never really come across this problem ever you've never had this nah that's crazy to me you've never had someone try to take uh, you never had some players are pretty good i i can think of characters players in your campaigns who have been like bluffed and just gone i'm not i'm just not you know uh, it's not a problem it's just like whatever move on so you just move on yeah but you've never had one player try to uh uh, socially attack another player not that i can think of no i know i don't get it hang on remember the hat that was just you being mad (laughs) <laughs> that was not <laughs> like over the power level of the uh, we had a campaign one time where he I, I was a player he awarded one of the other players with a I t- found that today hat. yeah yeah and it get, it's very underpowerful the what you think it was I know how powerful it was based on the effects that it caused you could, he had people cutting themselves yeah but that's because they were low level idiots hmm. all right like basically like you had to pass like a 14 will save to like not have it he he gave somebody a top hat that allowed for at will mind control no okay suggest. it was suggest yeah, yeah. That, that that was going to be the other thing is that if um you, you have a social mechanic like bluff or or uh, uh um intimidate are those okay to 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 attack another player with if you're the GM or a player, whichever. Well, th- th- there are two things to that. First of all, some of that's already addressed by the rules of the game in certain editions, at least. Like uh, going back and reading through 3.5 rule books, um, you can bluff other players, but diplomacy doesn't work on them. Intimidate doesn't work on them. That's not a player skill. I'm gonna it's, I'm gonna stop you right there. Um, I know that says that in the book, mm-hmm. but let's look at that. Let's look at that concept from the character standpoint. Um, I am a, I don't care what level rogue you Mac are a, yeah. a town guard. And this NPC over here is also a town guard or maybe Mac. You're just a warrior who has the exact same stats of this town guard over here. What is it about me that cannot be intimidated? Well, my diplomacy or, um, what was the other one you mentioned? Intimidate. No, my diplomacy or intimidate may work on this town guard, but from the character standpoint, this guy who is cookie cutter exactly the same as this town guard might even be his twin brother. I can't. Right. That does this that guy have a single level in any class? Hey, what's the difference? No, that might. That's a question. 
Does this guy have a single level in any sure. class? Sure, they're both level yeah, that, one warriors. Now he's a heroic class, and the, that just doesn't work on things. So the, the town be. guard. Okay. Yeah. So intimidate just has it doesn't work on anybody who has a character class. Right. So a town guard level one warrior. Intimidate doesn't work. No, there's no such thing as a level one town guard that has a warrior. Or a fighter. Why not? Unless he's like some huge NPC. All the like regular ones, they're NPC classes, and they don't have like a class level. So what that's we're talking about to be it's that's not the distinction the book makes. Though the book makes the distinction that it is an NPC versus a player. The the rules of the game don't want to take away that much of the agency of any particular player. If you have one so they guy, just purposefully avoid this issue. Yeah, if you have if you have a guy that is just stacked in diplomacy, if if you are allowed to just use it on other players at will, on other characters at will, you could dictate the actions of your entire party at all times. And I think that's a fantastic story to be told. If you're the evil dude who is is completely stacked in diplomacy and just basically social mechanics, you're the slime ball that has this party of adventurers under his thumb, and you're manipulating their actions, and you're pushing their buttons and shoving them toward your own agenda, at some point there's going to be a, a come-to-Jesus meeting, and they're going to realize that this is going on. And I think that story of the conflict between the players who have to wrestle with the actions that they've committed in the name of this group and uh, at the at the the bidding of this bad guy who happens to who up until this point they thought was their friend i think the discovery of that betrayal and the aftermath of it is a fantastic story to tell even if the swords never come out i i had a dc universe campaign one time where the uh the main villain of the uh, the, the main target of the campaign was going to be a completely vanilla human being who was the mayor of the town who was the guy who always showed up when the superhero team did good stuff and lauded them and called them when they needed to be somewhere and stuff like that. Right. It was going to turn out that he had just, he was, uh, he had, he had, he had, uh, emotional manipulation versions of mind control. Cause That's I wanted, I, it was a very, it was a really subtle version of the powers that were available in, in that system. And I wanted to show just how much they could be influenced by it and have this whole, one of the things that I was trying to do was I was trying to have the villain be, the the prospectively hidden villain be someone that the that when he was revealed was someone that they knew very well that they had a relationship with because right. I was trying to develop that dynamic you know right the whole the essence of betrayal and all this stuff and not why did we never know but literally just like you are being manipulated like and I was going to I was trying to figure out how to manipulate the players without even the manipulate the player characters without even the players knowing that they're being manipulated right which was going to be a that's tough that's the i think that's the trap a lot of gms fall into in that they're trying to outsmart their players as well and they're not looking at the situation like a collaborative story like if you were allowed to roll an npc intimidate check against a player you would roll it and then just tell them it's really scary to you it's gigantic blah 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 blah. you wouldn't necessarily tell them wouldn't necessarily tell them that you had been intimidated behave as though you are intimidated I guess it comes down to what kind of game the players want to play. If they want to play an immersive game, if you tell them this guy's extremely intimidated, then they're going to act accordingly. If they just want to hack and slash, then nothing is ever going to intimidate them. I have a problem with that concept from a very fundamental standpoint of the other people in this world. You know, the, the, the leveled assassin antagonist should be scary. And I feel like if the players aren't buying into that in any way, one of two things is going wrong. Either they're not bought in enough for me, or I'm not doing a good enough job making them scary. So you don't want to have to just tell them 
I don't want to. I mean, uh, yes, I can't. I, I don't have a problem saying this dude is really big and really intimidating, or he's. You had no idea he was there. It's you know, Batman shows up behind you. Yeah, I have no problem saying that stuff. But if all of a sudden, when, once that thing, once that situation comes about, if it's just the same bravado as if they were fighting a, a band of kobolds, that feels like there's something lost. It feels like there's something wasted in that story. Feels like there's something missing that that people aren't taking advantage of there. But what does the uh, what does the die roll behind that do for you that description couldn't? Um, as far as I mean, as far as using the die roll behind it to to reinforce the situation, I think the die roll gives me measures of how intimidating you were, mm-hmm. and and that allows that in that informs my description. Because if you fail miserably, you can tell that this guy's just got a bunch of bravado and he's not anywhere near as as big as he thinks he is or as scary as he thinks he is. And that's going to come through to the players for me. I mean, I can understand not wanting to use use social mechanics against PCs, but I just feel like there's something unfair about that. I've always been the GM that if the PCs can do it, the bad guys can do it. Always. I've always been that guy. If you guys can have, if you guys can ride a warthog, then you don't be surprised if somebody else is riding a warthog. It's called a puma. <laughs> well, the, uh, the thing, we sort of, we sort of mixed a couple things together. Yeah, we muddied the water here quite a bit, um, actually. I, I'd say I'm more okay with the GM and all the monsters being able to do stuff that the But PCs not other players. Can't. can't do to each other. Yeah. Um, because I, I don't have a problem with what you were talking about, Mac, where you have the NPC mayor who's manipulating them and, and sort of lying to them throughout the whole thing, and then it's revealed at the end. I have a problem with the player character that's rolling diplomacy checks on the table in front of people and telling them that I have not this convinced is, you to do this. This yeah. is your next action. Rather than it, having this conversation at all, I want to make my roll. Because yeah. at that point, I don't know why anyone else at the table is showing up. I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, there's entire games that are built around those social interactions. I mean, Robin Laws has a game out called Hill People that is essentially the economy of social interaction um, where if I want, I have a motivation and I have a need and I'm going to try to, we're going to enter kind of a fiasco situation where we're going to enter a scene with your character and my character. I have a thing that I want, you have a thing that you want. We're going to decide who's going to get what they want and the other person is essentially going to get a token that helps compel the next you know they can use that token as a piece of the economy to compel someone to to bend to their will or uh to to get what they want or help satisfy their need whatever it might be socially and that's an entire social mechanic game that i can see fitting inside of another game because it's literally just social mechanics but I don't think you necessarily need all of that if you've got good role players around the table. I mean, I understand what you're saying about not wanting the jerk across the table to be able to uh, uh, manipulate uh, manipulate you into doing something that you don't want to do. That's the, but there's also, again, there's a story to be told there where a guy's been manipulated and he thought he was righteous this entire time. And once he makes the realization that I'm a pawn on this guy's chessboard... How does he feel about that? And what happens afterward is so much, it's, it's such an interesting story to me as compared to there's never going to be any negative social interaction between the characters around the table. I feel like there just has to be some sort of, there needs to be some, I don't want to say has to be. I like to see that there's some sort of social issue in the players. That An emotional some, conflict. That keeps friction. I don't know. I, I, I could easily see where the presumption 
in D and D style games that you can't use those mechanics on one another is that you wouldn't use those mechanics on one another. That to use diplomacy in order to manipulate someone and to use uh, bluff is to lie to them. Yeah. To use intimidate is to use fear as and, a tool against them. And, and you would are, never do that to people you are allied with. Yeah, you, and, those, and it, it is important to note that bluff was one of the ones that you can use against other players. Or, oh, that's weird. Yeah, well, it's 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 the difference between being able to say whatever the hell you want to them and do it convincingly versus being able to compel them to take an action. So can the in, you can, can give the, them false information and let them act on that? So is it okay for the them from a philosophical standpoint using fear, using lies, and using uh, uh, appellation um, um, manipulation are all the same thing? Mm. So can the uh, Play the PC wizard cast suggestion on another PC. Yeah, what about spells? I think that is fine by the rules. See, I'm calling garbage. You know, but but the, but the problem here. But what, Lucas? <laughs> but don't you do it. But it's socially. What's but that? you get a save though, and it's a magical effect. That also goes into the broader broader question of: Are you letting players have PvP in your game? Why are you allowing anybody yeah. to? Okay. In your idea of like the guy who's been like leading them on the whole time, yeah. why are you letting this asshole play in this game with you anyway? Like that's not a good story for like you're just derailing what the DM's trying to do because you're trying to do your own little like side thing to like manipulate the party members into that depends. I mean, that just sounds really annoying to me. I could really (laughs) see how go save the princess, but you have a nefarious PC in the party who. Is manipulating the other party members? Who is manipulating the other party members? Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see how that's an intriguing story. That would be a great NPC. But if you let a player do that. That's what I was thinking. Why do you, why do you make the victim of all this mind control be a, why do you force it to be a player in order to tell that story? I don't force it to be a player. I'm just saying I see where that door is open and I'm okay with it being open. Okay. I'm not saying it has to be that situation. There's tons of different ways to tell that story. But I'm not opposed to it being told at my table as opposed, instead of through my commentary. Like, in all kind of uh, experiences I've had, the kind of people that would play that thing is like, you're just being a dick and, like, to, like, you're playing D&D by yourself and these other pilly pills are just playing around you. Now, what if, imagine a world where the story that I'm talking about is intriguing to four people and three people are willing, two people are so willing. So three people are willing to play, like, idiots? Or they're like not idiots. That, yeah. They're being socially. They're not idiots. Forced. They're, they're not they're idiots. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> it's not that they're dumb; it's that they're gullible. <laughs> the underdog story has been told a million different ways, and it's and I would be willing to wager that nine hundred thousand of them you enjoy. And the underdog story sure, is sure, but how is, is like what we're talking the guy about that put all of his skill points into diplomacy? That's manipulating the rest of the party to do what he wants because he's going to have to for anybody else other than it's going to have guy. to come to terms at some point. You know. I think the only way it's fun is if you don't know what's happening. I think that you have to, as a DM... And as soon as you, you make to, a roll against another person, they know what's going on, or that they know that there's something their happening. Their character may not. That's the yeah, thing. That's what I'm saying. If you, you cannot like, separate your person from your character, I okay, think this that, is what we come sure, to. Sure, but at that point, then you know that that guy is doing so, like doing something devious. Then, then you go... Even if you don't, even if it's like to so gonna, advance the story or whatever, you're gonna metagame you, it. No, it's just gonna be like you know that guy's just being a dick at that point. Or but like, you're gonna metagame it because your character doesn't. Your character at that point, this is you're, like, you're Jimmy and it. your group is a bunch of assholes. Like, you, you, but your 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 general insecurity and discontent grow. Yeah, like 
you're it's not just, sure if you're actually in control of your own storyline. And, and you're you like, why feeling, is the DM giving this guy so much more like, sh- like shine light and like allowing him to do something like this? And you know, and I'm like, I mean, this. Sorry, but this this problem is is sort of why some editions of D anD D just straight up say you're heroes and don't allow you to be the manipulative like that's evil what I uh, yeah character. that's what I said earlier like yeah. which I think is uh, not the best solution but <laughs> well I I know where you're coming from there what we talk about on this show regularly is not stuff that's in the rule books. It's stuff that's in between the yeah. lines in the rule books. It's how do you tell this story? So how do you tell this story? In what situation... With an NPC. Then, like, that's in the what situation way. is it okay for the player characters to be socially manipulated? I think threatening player ownership is a very fine line. I think that you're very likely to arouse So do you just talk discontent. to them? Off to the side. I think, you'd have, sure to know, have, I think you'd have to know in advance who'd be willing to roll with it. And, and I don't know how exactly to do that. I feel like you can do stuff like if you're going to make, if you're going to test to see if people can role play mind control, try hacking their int one time. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, have, have some, have cat, have somebody cat stupid on them to see, see how they, they can act. act stupid. Yeah, it's a good point. Do they, do they rail against it? Do they feel like they do? Are they upset with how dumb they're forced to, even if they can do it, are they upset with, you know, being forced to do it? You know what I mean? So I'm going to look at it from my perspective. I, I'll play anything. I'll play anything because I'm going to have fun playing whatever's happening. Now, if Mac, you're the GM and Brian, you're the player, you're the other player. And Mac, you come to me and say, hey, I'd really like for you to. Uh, I, I got this evil wizard. I'd like for him to, you know, possess you from time to time. I'll roll random checks to see when that happens, and I'll let you know secretly when you have to work with the motivations of this evil wizard. You came yeah. to me and said that. I'm gonna say, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Let's do this, Brian. Yeah. If if we're building characters together, yeah. When, when we have one of the the uh, the 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 player the player uh, character creations uh, yeah, 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 yeah. sessions yeah, that yeah. I keep talking about. Yeah. <laughs> if we're doing this and you are just stocking up on these social manipulative mechanics, this is your character. You're okay. going to be the face. You're going to be the guy who works, works uh, in the court. You're going to be the guy who's in the inn. Maybe you're a bard. I don't know. I don't know what you are, but you're, you're, you're really just stocking up on all of these okay. social mechanics. Sure. Sure. And we are working together to tie all of these characters together in a storyline. Yeah. When we're doing that, I again don't have a problem with you saying, "Hey, you, you th- I would I would then I would then say, you know, yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a good warrior. I've, I'm a relatively high level, but maybe my intelligence is a little low, which puts me in a position to be kind of manipulated by your chaotic right, if neutral. If you just want to play like a game where like me and you are playing and like no, no, no. You're, I'm you're saying the it's brawn and I'm GM. the brains, and we play the whole like where did we go, George thing. That's fine, and like we can have fun <laughs> doing that. But I'm not going to be making rolls against you. We're just going to be like, hey, you know, hey Lugo, go get that thing for me. You know, he's like, going to expect you, you to voluntarily role play. Role play. It. Yeah. So don't. is it okay to attack a PC? Sure. You're fine like, with if that. You get I don't get it. I don't understand. If it. you get possessed by an evil wizard, yeah, or something like that, that's different. If you get possessed by an evil wizard and it was just a two-man campaign, what I would do is I'd tie you to a tree and I'd leave you there and have you make a new character. Did <laughs> you... Have you ever played uh, in or with an evil party? Yeah. And none of those shenanigans happened. Nobody was trying to manipulate I mean, anybody yeah, else. Yeah, it, but it turned out really fun but to a way where like it wasn't like no dice roll was involved. Like Lucas, when you played the one dude who was like a super evil necromancer and you like set up 
like a like you're like yeah. I'm gonna run the morgue and then total you, dick move and then <laughs> like and, but then you just like <laughs> raised an army of the undead secretly in the in the town like like hey man oh, I missed the session where we all became council members you were a walking abomination <laughs> yeah and like eventually like his shit got like out of hand and like so he was like directly opposing the party almost at points <laughs> but he, like he everyone got surpassed by the character who was a mind flare yeah so <laughs> like like but so there so and there's no situation I, I i mean i'm lobbying for this because i agree with it but i'm just puzzled because i keep coming up with all these scenarios there's no situation in which the fast talking face of the party right could double talk his way around the middle intelligence fighter I think if you can do it in real life and you manipulate that person for real, then sure. I don't get that because this this brings us right back to uh, real life characters. Are you role playing yourself or are you role playing a character? And so then I can. But there I, should be no dice roll in, in, involved whatsoever ever. So the the person who has a middle intelligence is relegated to only playing the middle intelligence war, warrior. Thing. No, I'm just saying if you're playing the middle or a really crappy face because his intelligence doesn't support. If you're playing if somebody's playing the face and that person's trying to like convince the middle intelligence person to do it, mm-hmm. at that point there should still be no dice rolls, but if you come up with an argument that's good enough and you think your character would fall for that or something or agree with that, then sure. Then it can happen, but you're not going to so roll like why wouldn't is- you just roll the dice? Because at that point, that character is just going to have, like like I said, like just going to put every stat into diplomacy, take the feat that gives you plus two diplomacy, have the race that gives you plus two diplomacy. In this system, though, isn't no that the way. same thing? That's what I'm saying, is the the dice or the, the really well-thought-out role-playing session, they ultimately do the same thing. And let's presume uh, that, that... They either we, success, succeed on. or fail specifically by a scale that's predetermined by something other than the character's cheat. Let's presume in this case that it's not like a forced cooperation, like where everybody's heroes and you're already part of a party, allowing what Lucas brought up before, which is uh, that you like, you are allowing at least PVP. Like not, not that this is necessarily an attack, not necessarily an evil campaign. I have never ever played in a party really that has role played their intelligence of their character. It's always, it's always been. I have never Brian, done it and, Mac and find and, it extremely difficult to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, okay. right. I, I mean, I, we're coming from different places. You know, I I don't have a problem playing an idiot. I don't have a problem at all. That's fine. You can I feel play like an idiot to a point. Stupid, like I'd you can play to it to a point where it's like, yeah, you're an orc, so like maybe you don't know, but the orc still is going to know how to like tactics and how to talk to people whenever he no, needs to. No, not necessarily. Yeah, he's not if know, you're a good role player. He's still going to know which sword is better. Right, stuff like exactly. That. Not if you're a good role player. I mean, that's just it. I have no problem. That does, I don't think that makes you a bad role player. I just think that it makes the I didn't game say more. not doing that it makes you a bad role player, but doing that gives you a couple ladders up on the rung because you're willing to sacrifice strategy for, for story. I think it depends on what kind of role-playing experience you're looking for. I agree with that 100%. 100%. Because most other people, mo- I most think players also, I play with want to play a Diablo-esque Yeah, and, like, and that's like, another thing I was getting ready to say is that I think it also comes down to two things. What kind of a game do you want to play? 
And do you trust the people you're playing with with your character? Like when I hear let's play D&D, I hear like, okay, let's what go. kind of awesome character can I come up right. with? He's not going to have a lot of flaws, but he's going to have all these awesome things. So let's can take do. D&D out of, the, out of the equation. Are you, are you willing to play, uh, now that you've seen the ultra other end of the spectrum with fiasco, the super mechanics light, yeah. almost not a role playing game, game. To me, it is not a role playing game. It's an, it's an, it's an improv exercise. Yes. Yes. Now, if you can, if you can slide that needle somewhere, you know, a couple degrees to the left closer to dungeons and dragons with a different system like um the the idea when you said like we're gonna do fiasco but like D-esque type of thing it yeah. was almost repulsive to me <laughs> like i was like how why what's the point it's like, it's a different situation yeah i mean like, it's i understand what you're saying and it, it's it's something that like takes place in the inn or okay, yeah. you know stuff like that. I get yeah. that. Okay, I can kind of understand. It's that. just a setting piece. Okay. Yeah. The, the the one the one I saw was the the fiasco setup is the party's just defeated the dragon. All the yeah, that's is, one of them, all yeah. the loot is sitting there. Now begin. Okay, yeah, I can fun. see that. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. So I I would like to do that in every one of my D and D. If you if you take if you take the the Dungeons and Dragons uh, and all of all of Everything that that infers to you, everything that that informs you about the game. If you take all of that epic, uh, high fantasy, magic, romping adventure, and you take that and throw it out the window. But that's why I play the game. But that's why you play Dungeons and Dragons. Now, if I were going to tell you we're going to play GURPS, that in and of itself does not bring anything to the table. Right? When you think GURPS, it's just a system. It's just a right. raw system. And it's all about I mean, the I'll flavor that you build you, around Every it. time I play RPGs, 95% of the time, it's Pathfinder or d right. right. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the big one. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably most That's people. the big one. But there's a lot of other RPGs out there. A lot of and them like, are indie. Whenever and they, we play the indie or other ones, it's like, it's oh, that was cute. Yeah, and they, they like, follow yeah. a special <laughs> path. <laughs> they do a certain thing. You know, so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah, or the reason they're an indie RPG is because they really stuck to this specific concept of what we're doing in a game. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. But there's lots, there's lots of other like um, Call of Cthulhu. Have you ever played that? Yeah. Okay. There's that's no a whole... longevity in those games, though. It's like, oh, that was fun. Uh, hey. I disagree. Mask of Nyarlathotep is a humongous, massive, pre-generated. Uh, 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 adventure for Call of Cthulhu. Okay. And it's like widely renowned as one of the greatest adventures ever written. Okay. Um, and it takes a long time. It's a long game. You know, it's, it's equivalent to the big adventure paths that are out today as far as length and whatnot. I feel like any, I feel like anybody who I play with personally and myself would be bored of it after <laughs> one session. <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, so I mean, I don't think we hashed anything. I don't think anybody changed any minds. All we did was uh, just show that we all have differing views of this thing. I definitely agree that those stories should be told, and I think that are they? I think that there's really thin, except for arbitrary disallowances in the sh- rules. I should think, they be relegated to the written word? I think that there's not a whole lot. I think there's not a whole lot of justification for saying that this mechanic exists and it models this sort of behavior and that it is allowed in one direction and disallowed in another direction. I would prefer that the entire mechanic not exist and that it have to be done through role play. Um, that doesn't lend itself very much to simulations that already include such mechanics. You know what I'm okay. saying? Makes sense. If you have a diplomacy mechanic making an argument for... There's no reason that a character who doesn't have ranks in diplomacy should be able to make a really compelling argument to, uh, let's just leave it at NPC. Um, 
Because cause diplomacy is a thing that exists. You either have it or you don't. Right. The whole like point by system, I think, is very limiting in that aspect. I think in games where you were just role playing it, there's no way I would let you just roll your. Let's say we didn't have uh, diplomacy. There's no way I would let you just roll your charisma to see if you can pelt somebody. I would make you talk it out. You got to give me an argument, you, even I if would, you can't put it all, put the whole speech out there. What are your points? And in that, I think that you're marrying yourself to that. It is based on the player's individual ability to formulate such an argument, which doesn't necessarily correctly model what a character would do. So I think there is some benefit to having the mechanics. All of that said, I think there's a lot of good reasons to to patently disallow this. I think that, like I said before, I think that threatening player ownership causes you know considerable distrust and discontent. Like, and I think that if you if at least from like going the other way from NPC to player, if I can descri- if I as a GM with a slightly you know higher expectation of ability can describe a villain as being extremely scary, right? I'm going to do it rather than roll an intimidate check. Right. And even if it comes down to that, the last line of my summary is you are very afraid of him. You know, I, I'll still make all the effort. Okay. And I, I do think there are examples like say a vampire campaign where everybody's from different clans. You happen to live in a coven together, but you all have slightly different motivations and politics abound. Right. There's definitely some place for manipulation of one player to another. And I have not being very familiar with that game, but knowing that those sort of interactions, that that political, like inter-party political stuff exists in some cases, even when in our conversations about alignments before opposed alignments within party. But it's a diametrically different flavor of game. Exactly. And I have no idea that there would need to be, because I've said before, you you, for the purpose of simulation and role play in this case, there needs to be be some sort of mechanic that allows for this and I have no idea how those systems would do it that don't threaten this essential thing which is that you're taking control of a player of a player character away from the player and I think that that would be upsetting to anybody who ever encounters it unless you're used to it you know Brian talks about that he plays D&D 90% of the time I play D&D like 99% of the time like unless you're really used to playing something with a political system and right. you're used to like being forced to surrender all the interests of your player character to play out whatever someone else has dictated to you, I think the initial reaction would be, no, fuck that. <laughs> all right, yeah. Brian, what do you got? I don't know. Like, I, I, I'd feel like I've come across as like I don't want to try anything else. And like, no, like, not at all. But like the idea of it is, is I've been playing RPGs for years. It's been one of my main staple forms of entertainment for years. Ever since I discovered it. It's always been 3.5 D&D or Pathfinder. Right. Now, and the reason why that... It doesn't mean I haven't tried it all. It doesn't mean I still don't play it all. The reason why it is that is because me and the people I play with have determined that that is what is the most fun. That is what we like to do. And the way that we play with the social interaction rules and the way that the things work out, even if it's not to a T to what the book is, right. the way we do it, the way that it is, Works is because group. that's why it's fun. And any other way generally ends up just being that's not as fun so it sucks okay like that like, <coughs> and 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 it, it it doesn't maybe your group works differently and you feel like that if you guys want to lie and backstab and manipulate each other with roles <laughs> or whatever you want to do and i i almost just don't allow people to lie and manipulate and backstab each other like what's it, it does take away the fun to 
and any action that takes away the fun from any other player for any reason, even if you think it's a great, cool little story hook or whatever you've got in your mind, and even if you're in on it with the DM, if at any point, <coughs> even for a slightest bit, you're taking away the fun for another player because this thing, like, because you're doing this thing and it's changing the way, like, the, the campaign is going, it's not worth it. Put another monster in, kill it, and find another loot because that was fun for everybody. All right. You, you got an interesting dimension there that is, just as a quick aside before we get to Lucas, you put an interesting term in there, which was, we think that's the most fun way to play. We, we've we been talking a lot about whether you could allow something or whether the story could be told. Is it the best story? Is it the most fun way to play? Is not really a consideration we are making. Um, that, yeah, that's the only reason I play is because it's fun. And 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 there's different kinds of fun, and people would say that different flavors could have the same measure. But you're you're saying straight up that that is the most fun way to play, and if that's the determination you made, I think that's, you know, that's it's fair. Enough. I mean, obviously, exactly. that's where your like, where your point of view is informed. That's actually really where I think the cleavage is coming down between the two of you. Yeah, I think that Dan, that you, think I have a different way of playing, and we've always said, that well, a different evaluation of what is fun. Yeah, telling the story for the purpose of being able to simulate it, and for the interest of a new story, is really important to you. For bat, for Brian, playing through, um, not the same thing every time, but like. This style of game is what he expects to play when he sits down to play it. Yeah, you know I understand. Look, I mean? um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll finish up. Lucas, how about you? You want to you know, round it out? And- uh, to me, without without player agency, uh, there's not any really compelling reason for, for anyone to show up and play. Without being in control of their character, there's no reason for them to be there. Right. Uh, the reason I brought up the what the rulebook says and what it says mechanically is uh, I... I do allow for house rules in my games. Right. I, I house rule constantly, but there should always be a compelling reason to deviate from <laughs> from the rules of the book. Um, and I don't I don't see one in using diplomacy or or intimidate or things like that, player versus player. I I think those things are a shorthand for actual role playing. I think they they are a substitute and and, and sort of a, a, a reduction of actual like talking things out and, and playing things out that right. that I enjoy and I I don't know it, there's there's a disconnect between a character with a crazy high diplomacy that can't really make an argument like the player can't articulate an argument right that is is hard to account for when we're talking about you should be forced to act it out and and all this other stuff um, yeah the the the, the p- player stats versus character stats has always been an issue. Yeah. Where the GM is a a a, a, a comedian, and um, his town guard talks circles around the face of the party because the GM can talk ter- circles around the face of the party, mm-hmm. and that's a, I mean that's a very real situation that these mechanics mitigate. Yeah, but that being said, I've never really been satisfied as a player or as a DM with with someone that doesn't even bother making half an argument and just go straight, straight for the rule. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think, like, the only reason why there's even a number or a skill under, like, Intimidate or something like that is, like, the degree of, and that's, yeah. like, the only reason. That's what I was talking it's, about It's before. the degree of, and it's also for people that, like, bless their hearts, make the argument, but uh, they suck. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> now, see... I- Though I would consider myself on a weird in-between position from a, uh, several of you on this, when I see that stat, when I see that number, I feel like that is 
Yeah, it's a shorthand for role play. That's, That's Pater. It's a substitute for role play. Yeah. They wouldn't have in all honesty, I don't know how to include I don't know how to include in the skill check that would be required no matter what, how well or not well someone delivers whatever their personal role play of it is. So no, when I look this is negative in my view, but when I look and see a stat like that and have the instructions for you roll and see what the results are and these are what the results are, I don't role play that one bit. Not mm. one bit. Hmm. And and I'm the polar opposite, I role play everything. Yeah, it's I, all st- when- and you know what though this might explain some of the experience that I've had playing with Brian because Brian is a very descriptive GM right which means that when I roll my bluff check he's going to role play it for me you know what I mean it's not that I yeah okay I can see that most of the times I do that for people because they don't know like not saying that this is no true I might have started to lean on it is what I'm yeah, saying yeah it's just like most people like are like would be more in where it's like i roll a bluff check and then they're like okay well what are you trying to bluff and instead of having like this 10 minute conversation I'm you just, just put it out there what's yeah. what's the best bluff you, yeah. you passed your check here's the best angle this is the one that works for them yes and we move out of this scene yes so and that might be pretty useful a pretty useful middle part you roll the check and, and then the dm they, tells you how it is yeah and at any time they want to do that like to step in and tell me what it is that's cool, and if their argument is better than the one I can think of, I'll give you a bonus on your uh, your roll. Cool, like ooh, bonus. Lucas, did we pretty much sum you up, or did you have more you wanted to go through? Uh, there, there is one more thing with with your example of the two players sitting down and, and talking about it before even beginning yeah, yeah. play. I mean, that, that's the the soft hands approach to what I was talking about was trying to find the the happy at the end of Mythbusters. They try to make the explosion be as big as it was in the legend. This is me trying to make this as soft a landing for this type of a social situation as I can. Trying yeah. to figure out the best way to make this work uh, for everybody at the table. And I mean, we were we were ultimately talking about our, our examples were two different extremes. I right. was talking about the guy forcing against his will the other player to, right. to choose actions and you're talking about them both sitting down and cooperating. If if things go your way, if everyone's sitting down and talking about it beforehand and agrees to it and understands what the situation is, that's perfectly fine. Right. And you is, don't need the mechanic. Yeah, that's that's the other part of it too is... No, then you use the mechanic to inform the story because every time this guy is going to be... Even though we have sat down and we've agreed upon this, this guy's going to have a, a great diplomacy or whatever. Whatever it's going to be. At some point, he's going to fail that role. And when he fails that role is when the player he's been manipulating all this time might get an inkling that there's a problem. And that's when the social role play that I was talking about begins. And in another just... That's when the aftermath starts to happen. Just in like another mechanics-wise. Yeah. In Pathfinder and 3.5 D&D, you cannot fail, critically fail a skill check role, which diplomacy is. It's just not a thing. You don't have to critically fail. Right, but you can, sta- you can build your character to be so stacked on diplomacy that even if you roll a one, it's pretty much going to pass. Except at some... I mean, the there is no absolute. There's always a, a potential for failure, even if it's not critical. In, um, the, in, the, in the systems that you're talking about, there's always a potential for failure. He's saying that you should set the difficulty artificially higher than whatever the just the simple opposed just check like, would be. Just like uh, maybe as I a don't DM, know. Just like add more numbers. 
as the more ridiculous requests from one player to another, you know, hey, jump, jump, jump down the pit. Somebody's got to go down the pit yeah. to save the party. Jump in. A fool me once rule. Yeah, yeah, I mean, as that stuff starts to stack up, that story begins to take hand, so like, take hold. Just like, add, like add a house rule to it. Well, I mean, it. it the, the thing is. It's all about house rules. Everything we talk about is about house rules. Again, we don't really... If, I mean, if we were a podcast where we just sat down and read the rules in the book to the people that were listening, nobody would be listening. What we talk about are ways to dance around the middle of these rules and tell compelling stories and just have fun. That's what we talk about here. So what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is not necessarily putting a blanket, no, you cannot have... Um, social mechanics used between players. I'm saying, how does how does it work? Because there are stories there to be told. I say you can do it, and we're talking about how we could make that happen. Or in your games, we can't. You know, it's just not something we do. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the way you have fun. We started. I think episode one of this show, we said there's no wrong way to do these game to play these games if you're having fun. Well, you're you're you're. Your situation doesn't entirely adapt to Brian and his playgroup because in that case, none of the people would be, there'd never be a party to party, uh, 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 consent to it. So it would only be one person who's a malcontent and Brian's already called that person an asshole. So like, right. it just, it just isn't true that anyone would ever want to do that in Brian's case. I can understand. Um, it's not about it's not whether you it, have me, to allow it or disallow it. It's that none it's of them ever would. It's even like if that the story that you could tell. Is, is not worth is not worth breaking telling, the experience which is table. fun which is a cool story which and you can still incorporate it into your game through an NPC or something yeah. like that which is cool but through a party to party thing that's you're not playing D&D anymore I understand what you're saying like, yeah. I I mean I have kind of moved on beyond D&D I don't really play I mean I do I do play Dungeons and Dragons and I love that game but I play a lot of other stuff, and I and my mind goes in a lot of different places as well. And I'm just as happy playing D&D if we sit in the inn the entire time as I am if we go dungeon crawling. Uh, I'm going to find something fun to do. We're going to role play. Uh, for me, this thing is w- cracked wide open. I say whatever the players can do to NPCs, NPCs can do to players, and players can do to players. The whole world is open, and you can do whatever you want to anybody. That said, I think... In the situations that we're talking about here, it's from from the from the perspective of the people who say no, we shouldn't be doing this. It's not because the character suffers; it's because the player suffers. So it's an experience outside of the game yeah. that is causing you to say no. Let's not do this. I'm saying uh, if you can if you can relegate that factor where you're sitting at a table with people who can trust each other or nobody's the asshole somebody's just playing a role and you can tell that story inside the game i think it's a good experience for people if they're all bought in sure it all comes down to if you can trust each other at the table now if you're sitting down for your first first night uh, at a game group at the game store this is not a story that you tell but if you've got a game group out there who's been you know playing together for 10 years and you're tired of going and just uh, uh, loot kill sell kill loot kill this may be exactly the type of thing you need to do. I want the game to be played that fast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This may be exactly yeah. the type of story that you're looking for to kind of change things up a little when bit. Everyone's, and there are ways to do it. When everyone's complicit, there is no question. I agree. Yeah. So th- there's nothing to talk about there. I think I think at, at least the three of us are a little more gun-shy because we have more recently played in those high school groups where the... Yeah, 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 the, yeah. The, the, uh, so <laughs> <laughs> that makes perfect sense. But I mean, the, I hear what you're saying. The though. PvP and the interplayer... 
conflict is just the guy being an asshole. Yeah, I, I completely <laughs> understand. I get that. I get that a lot. I mean, I, I completely understand that when I was 14 years old, I could not tell the story that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Hell, when I was 25, I couldn't tell the story that I'm talking about. Uh, not inside the game with the guys that I was playing with. It just couldn't happen because these guys wanted to ride magic carpets and kill dinosaurs and, and shoot Nazis and, you know, and, and Sign all the, me up. <laughs> see, Brian's <laughs> in. Uh, magic carpet riding Nazi killing dinosaur slaughterers is on for next Friday. <laughs> My band name. <laughs> um, that said, I mean, I, I completely understand where everybody at this table is coming from. I just have a different perspective. I'm the hippie gamer at the table, and that's the way I started this thing. I, I no, 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 no. You're, 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 you're false summarizing us. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't summarize anybody that time. I, you said you're completely in disagreement with everybody at the no, table. No, I said I completely understand. I didn't say I disagree you with You said anybody. I might be completely different from everyone at the table. I, I'm misquoting oh, you. I okay, can't remember exactly what it was, but I took offense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I cannot I cannot correctly summarize you, sir. But I, <laughs> but I, I can tell that you could not I just correctly say, summarize me. When, 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 for instance, I, I think when only one person is trying to mind control, even if it's the GM, is trying to mind control or take away some of the, some of the agency of one of the other players, that's not going to work. The player's going to get upset. So let me, let me the, cut in one when, more when, time. When none of them are, I think it's perfectly allowed. I don't know what a system, I don't know what the mechanics look like of doing that. I yeah, I, I can understand did, that. We, we've basically already talked about that, like, the, the, Dungeons the and basic D&D D stuff doesn't work very well for it. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see politics in a system. The, 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 the thing about the Dungeons and Dragons stuff is you open that book and 90% of those books are, are battle stats. No, yeah, there's it's a not a game, whole lot of which social lends interaction. Which again to what Brian was saying. Right? Yeah, there's yeah. not a whole lot of social interaction built into that game. So if maybe if you're trying to tell the story that I'm telling and you can't figure out a way to do it in Dungeons and Dragons, you just need to play a different game. I, I, maybe you're right in that, 100%, Brian. I, I mean, you're playing the game for the wrong reason. I would say that's almost definitely correct. I have played so many different stories inside the Dungeons and Dragons system just because I was experimental and I had guys that trusted me. That we played for years and years. I, the things I've done because I was experimental and had guys who trusted me. Um, the one thing that keeps coming up in this situation is if one person wants to do this and the rest of the party is not in on it. The difference here with that situation for me is that if I'm one of the other guys that I'm not in on the joke from the be- I'm not in on the on the plot from the beginning, but the guy across from me has stacked up a bunch of uh, stats in in social mechanics and whatnot, and he decides he's going to use the social mechanic on me. I'm going to see how that affects my character, and I'm going to begin that storyline from that point forward from my character. Now, if he's using a social mechanic on me, and I say, no, that's bullshit, just because I don't like the fact that he rolled the dice against me, then I don't feel like I'm giving my character a fair shot at this life situation that it's that it's involving. I guess I'm looking at the game from the opposite direction. That's inherent on who you are and that you would be willing to run the story. You would be willing yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. People who aren't. Won't be. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, you you play the game. As me coming from a GM perspective, even if you're cool with that... You're not, because he's hijacking your story? No, no, no. If I'm the GM and you're cool with it, but Mac's not, then not don't do it at all. Fair enough. I can see that. That's the playground rules. If I'm the one being... Everybody's in or nobody's in? Messed with. No, if, if Dan's being messed with, and he... like Say Lucas... Or like, yeah, like, yeah, no, I get, I get what you're yeah, If you're the aggressor... Lucas is messing with Dan. Dan's fine with it, but I'm not cool with it. Yeah, fuck it. Why? Yeah. Makes sense. Okay, so um, I'm, this is, we went pretty long. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it was a fun conversation. Let us know what you think. Send in the emails. 
tell us how ridiculous we are, whatever. Or if you have a brilliant plan or a brilliant system for this specific uh, conundrum that we've encountered here, please let us know what you've got. Send the emails to dan at carpegm.net. And uh, guys, thank you so much for the conversation. With that, I'm going to go ahead and call it. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Carpe GM Gamecast. I'm Dan. I'm Mac. Ryan. Lucas. And remember... Support the hobby. Support the industry. Support your local game store. <laughs> and support Andouille Sausage. What is that? Huh? That's a sausage. What kind? Andouille. What's that? Andouille. Let's, let's not Cajun. draw attention to it lest it starts happening in <laughs> slow motion again. Okay. Sorry, I just saw a sausage. <laughs> Had to ask. It's a, so- it's a sausage fest in here. Carpe GM Gamecast is presented under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License Version 3.0. To contact us with questions, comments, and other feedback, please send your emails to dan at carpegm.net. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at C-A-R-P-E underscore GM. Thanks for listening.